Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Recently, I finished a biography of John Adams, the second president of the United States. Now, what makes him a great figure in our country's history, as well as a president, is his strong faith in freedom and his great belief that freedom was the best thing for our country. And from that faith and that belief, it compelled him to take action, which sometimes led to taking risks. Now, there are certain moments in John Adams' life in which he took risks because he had that strong belief in freedom. And yet, from those risks and the actions that he took, our country emerged. I'll give you a great example of this. In the year of 1776, there was great consensus amongst all 13 colonies that we were being taken advantage of by the British, politically and economically. But there was no consensus whatsoever about a revolutionary war or a declaration of independence. And yet, John Adams, he believed in independence. That's what our colonies really needed at that time. And so he set out and he began to convince key figures like John Hancock and Thomas Jefferson and other key figures throughout the 13 colonies. Then came the great risk. All these key figures then signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, we've all seen signs or pictures or sculptures of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And we say, oh, great, I'm sure that was a wonderful event. Well, I think many of us as Americans, we underestimate the magnitude of that event By those individuals signing the Declaration of Independence, they were essentially signing their own death warrants. Realize there was no guarantee that we would win the Revolutionary War. We would be up against and fighting the most powerful military superpower in the entire world. Nobody came even close to the British Army. The army that the colonies could raise, some of them were regulars, but many of them were militia, farmers, tradesmen. And so it was a war against David and Goliath. Worse yet, if we lost the Revolutionary War, all the signers of that Declaration of Independence would be systematically tracked down by the British and executed because they committed treason by signing that document. But that didn't make a difference to them, especially John Adams, He believed in freedom, and therefore it compelled him to take action and even risk. And in doing so, our country came to existence. Now, I think that's a great segue into the readings for this weekend. Go to that second reading from Hebrews. It tells us exactly, gives us the definition of what faith is. 
It says, faith is the realization of what is hoped for, evidence of the things not seen. Well, faith is distinct from all acts of the intellect, and it's defined as a realization, which means it's different from opinion, conjecture, suspicion, and doubt. It also adheres to things that are not seen, which now distinguishes it from science, science whose object always must be seen and proved. Well, that's not faith. More to it, faith is directed towards things that are hoped for. Now, it continues in Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. Well, only in faith in God did Abraham make that journey meaningful. Now, whenever we hear Abraham's name in the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, Abraham always stands out as the person of faith par excellence. There's no greater faith than Abraham's. And he kept that faith when God called him to leave his homeland in present-day Iraq and go and settle in Israel. He kept that faith when God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac back to God. Sarah kept that faith. And she overcame her doubts in believing that God would bless her with a son, and he did, Isaac. And so, faith makes relationship with God possible. More to it, faith is the foundation of everything from the very beginning of human salvation. Now it continues. It says, all these died. Well, now it's referring to the Old Testament patriarchs like Abraham and Isaac. They realized that this world that we live in now is not our true home. Instead, our true home they long for, a more dwelling place that is glorious and lasting. They long for heaven. Well, here Hebrews describes what heaven is like. It says, But now they desire a heavenly home, and God has prepared a city for them. Next, in Hebrews, it refers to the resurrection from the dead. It says, He reasoned that God was able to raise, and even from the dead. Well, first it describes Isaac's escape from death after God asked for his sacrifice. See, that story in the Old Testament with Abraham and Isaac, that's the story that prefigures the resurrection of Christ. Consequently, faith in God gives hope to a destiny to come for all of us. You know, it's that old saying, Life can't be a journey without a destiny. Well, that's what faith is all about. Therefore, this outlook on life requires faith in God. Now, faith doesn't offer all the answers to life. It never did. It never claimed to. But it does give us enough answers to enable us to see meaning and purpose in our life. You know, a good and simple analogy would be a child's faith in their parents. The child always feels safe in the presence of their parents. Even when they don't know the plans of the parents, the child just jumps or hops into the van, or they walk ahead of mom and dad, regardless of where they're going, because they know they're safe in their parents' presence. And so the key to faith is always trust. Trust in a loving God that really takes away, you could say, all the absurdity of this world and gives us hope of a destiny to come for each and every one of us. Now, with that in mind, go to the first reading from Wisdom. It speaks of this. 
It says, On the night of the Passover was known beforehand to our fathers the knowledge in which they put in faith. Well, here the author of wisdom refers to Exodus, the story in which God liberates the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. See, that Exodus event was made known to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, centuries before it even took place. Just like the prophets, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they foresaw Jesus Christ. They saw his birth and they saw his passion, death, and resurrection centuries before it even took place. So you say, how? Well, by their faith. Their faith in a saving God. Such that whatever happens to us, faith in God assures us that somehow God will step in and intervene on our behalf. Now, Jesus reinforces that in the gospel. A few weeks ago, Jesus taught the apostles to pray, and we learned the four principles that make our prayer effective. Well, now he's teaching them to pray and to prepare to receive the kingdom of God. And better yet, he tells the apostles it pleases God to give the apostles the church, the kingdom of God. Now, notice how it begins. He says, gird your loins. Now, remember, in the ancient world, everyone wore long robes, men as well as women. Well, to gird your loins means to cinch that robe up, maybe with a belt or a rope. And in doing so, now your legs are free, free for walking, running. They're free for action. So now we ask the question, well, how do we gird our loins in the 21st century? And how do we continue to receive the kingdom of God in our church? Well, it all starts with faith. Again, faith is the realization of what is hoped for. Well, what do we all hope for? What's the one thing in life that we all hope for? A life with Christ in this world, but better yet, in the world to come. The world we are all longing for. Next, I think we have to follow the example of John Adams. Now that we have faith, we're compelled to take action each and every day. And we can do so in simple ways. First, engage a life of prayer. You know, pray every day. Be people of prayer. Pray every day. Pray several times a day. With your family, with your friends. Better yet, offer to pray with others. You know, pray with co-workers. You know, pray with friends. Pray in public. You know, when you go out to a restaurant, you know, when the meal comes, you know, pray the prayer of grace. And not just that you're snubbing people or rubbing your religion into their face, but you are proud to pray in public and that you believe in God and you have the right to exercise your religion. How about receiving the Eucharist as often as you can? You know, it's great that we can come to Mass every Sunday. That's great. But if we can come even more times, that's all the better. I always say, never underestimate the transformative power of the Eucharist. It's powerful. Another way to act upon our faith, we'll engage a life of stewardship. You know, truly believe that everything that we have in life, including our life itself, is given to us freely by God. So what should we do? Freely give back the gifts that God has given us. You know, share our prayer and our prosperity with others. Share our skills and abilities. See, when we do that, then like John Adams, we have faith. 
we believe. And now we are compelled to act upon that faith each and every day of our lives. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.